Welcome to the Farcast. This is Alex Helmbrecht. I'm joined here today with Daniel Binkard. And today we have a guest who really needs no introduction for those who are familiar with Chattern State College, uh, whether that's uh, on the athletic side or just on the general campus news side. We are honored to have Con Marshall today, uh, an individual who has worked with Daniel and myself in several different capacities. I even shared an office with him for some time uh, in the old Klein Center days. So, uh, Con, thank you for joining us today. The first question for you. How long have you been at CSC, and, and what have your roles been? Well, I came. My first day of work uh, was uh, July first, nineteen sixty-nine. I had gone to college here before that, but I had never ever worked for the college prior to that. And uh, grew up in Chattern, and grew up uh, paying attention to what had happened at Chattern State College to a degree, at least. And what have my duties been? Well, they've been assorted. For sure. Uh, one of my things that I came here for, I think, was uh, I, my understanding was and I never uh, submitted an application. I just got hired, but <laughs> was uh, probably to do sports information and uh, give a little more attention to the athletic teams. And they had been receiving, perhaps. And it was a good time because uh, things got better uh, pretty soon. The 60s were, was not a great year for uh, some athletics at Shattern State, although basketball thrived at that time. And new sports were coming, um, just starting to have, re uh, just starting to have uh, volleyball and women's sports and coming into view. And so that was fun. And then, uh, but my duties included, I, in my estimation, it was anything that made Shattern State look significant or look like they'd done it looks like Shattern State had done something well or the students or, or the faculty at Shattern State had done something well what did you study in college did were you a journalism major an English major well kind of a business major took economics courses which I enjoyed a lot and then I went to English also and uh, I I was on the uh, Eagle staff the, the student newspaper staff for all three semesters that uh, that happened in those days. I think I was probably the editor one year and maybe more than that, I'm not sure. But anyway, I was interested in journalism in those days and uh, so that's uh, what I studied and took accounting and business communications and things like that. Great, thanks. So in the later years um, of your job here, how did how did things change? Where are you at right now? <laughs> well, th things were changing every uh, things things changed a lot, of course. And it doesn't happen in one day. It's a gradual change, and I was f more gradual than the changes were, and I was always lagging behind on. Uh, keeping up with the changes, and uh, I still am, and uh, I'm not proud of that at all. I wished I'd have got on the bandwagon and worked a little harder to learn things uh, technically and things, but anyway, uh, I had plenty to do and plenty of things to, and, and tried to keep up with uh, the developments on campus, uh, Sure, but I was not one of the instigators or the first people to get involved in in uh, computers or things of that sort or new technology. That was people like Roger West and a whole bunch more. He was probably one of the primary leaders of that. But anyway, I struggled along and 
thanks to people like uh, you two, that, but people pre preceding you in your uh, jobs uh, helped keep me going, too, a little bit. Yeah. I was always dragging behind. Con, what are some of the things that, that stand out to you about your career? Are there a few things that, that kind of, I guess, get to the top of your mind when you talk about it, when you look back at your career? Well, I think my my idea of what I was trying to do all the time and still try to do is tell about good things that are happening at Shatter State College. And uh, I wrote lots and lots of stories about uh, faculty members uh, making presentations at conferences, uh, students doing the same thing, students going to uh, programs that uh, and excelling in uh, maybe uh, business or uh, home economics or uh, I had a for a while I had a kind of a standing appointment every Monday morning over in the student over in the Memorial Hall because I took pictures of the the forensics people that had come back from contests and and done very very well in speech contests of various sorts. That, that was a, seemed to be a hot item in those times. Shatter State had some very gifted students and that. And every Monday morning, I'd come and take pictures of their of their uh, of their trophies and their plaques and their ribbons and stuff that they had won and stuff. So, and you know about that, I did this about the same thing for quite a while with rodeo, because we had some outstanding rodeo people, and uh, some of them were national champions and regional champions and things like that. And I'd take a picture of them every Monday morning with their new set of trophies that they'd won at at uh, Iowa State University of Nebraska. Had a rodeo. We were in that conference at that time or that region at that time, and and. Uh, I think they won 11 of the 14 rodeo. The girls did, women, won 11 of the 14 uh, championships that year when they were in, in rodeo. Two breakaway ropers that were outstanding and, and a barrel racer and stuff like that. And so it was fun. One of the things that's always stood out to me about you is is how consistent you were with covering everything. You. You're always at football games. You're always at basketball games. You're always at these things. And and uh, <clears throat> I, I really think it's one of those items people kind of take for granted that yeah. all these great photos and these wonderful stories just kind of happen. But there's a lot of work behind that that goes into that. And so I know there's a lot of time put into that. Well, my it was my thought that I should, if anybody did something well, outstanding, there should be a story about it. Back in their hometown paper, whether it be the smallest town in Nebraska, which you get always get published in those, or a, a larger place. And and uh, I made lots of phone calls to the state desk at the university, or not University of Nebraska, Omaha World Herald and stuff like that, and tried to let people know what was going on. And there was a guy named Gene Barron there that I spoke to who, Several times a month, anyway, usually telling him some things, and he put a little tidbit in the paper and stuff like that. So, well, and then also the working alongside you for Danny Woodhead's senior season. Obviously, that was probably a pretty special time to be involved with sports information. Oh yeah, and of course we had Don Beebe before that, and Davy Jones, and uh, uh, Kevin Homer, and a whole bunch of others too, like that. You know, I've tried to keep them in the limelight. If you know, if but others did that too. But 
I'm certainly glad to have you uh, helping in that year because uh, no, no one person could have done covered Danny Woodhead like that because we got people from New York Times and the, uh, the um, ESPN and all all over came to see him and they wanted the whole time with him and yeah. you showed him around most of the time and, <laughs> yeah. and went with him with him yeah, to, uh, to find him because uh, <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have found him and. Meanwhile, you, there's other things to write about and do about at Chatter State, and I tried to do some of that. And, but uh, it was that was a, your timing was excellent to come. Yeah, to the, there certainly was some some give and take there, and, and uh, <laughs> that was nice because I, I mean, really, for the about the first five months on the job, I felt like a personal chaperone to him <laughs> yeah. because there was just such media exposure and uh, there's a lot going on. But every Tuesday morning, I still hope. And pray that you're going to bring me by a donut because he always used to bring donuts on Tuesday mornings because we would schedule um, phone interviews with Danny Woodhead every Tuesday mornings. He'd call all these newspapers and agencies, so he'd always meet in, meet in our office. And I don't remember Con that. always brought us donuts. That's a good tradition. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that, but anyway, that's probably a good thing. Con, let's talk about um, kind of the technical side of getting the news out. We have a question here about before fax, before email – what was the process for getting the news out to all these newspapers um, around the state or, or around the larger area? So I think that our, our listeners would be interested to know kind of that, that view from the past and how that worked. Well, I'm glad you I, – I thought about that a little bit because you gave me this list of questions. And you made phone calls or you stuffed news releases in envelopes and rushed them down to the post office and got them there by 5 o'clock. And they'd stamp them and then throw them in the mail truck and the way they went. And they in those days, it was – the uh, uh, envelope mailed in Chadron on Monday evening would be on the desk of the Omaha World Herald by nine o'clock or so in Omaha, so that worked pretty well. But That's good. Uh, I've had in those days I had a, a, a secretary and much more than that, a administrative assistant of, and I can't tell you how many. We we were always stuffing envelopes at the end because these st stories went to the uh, weekly papers as well as to bigger papers because uh, we went sent them to Hemingford and Alliance and in uh, anywhere that, it, that somebody was from uh, a student that was from those places if there was something going on when we stashed, stashed them in there and and then rushed them and I broke the speed limit going down Main Street quite a few times I think to, <laughs> oh, really? get, to, get, to get down to the post office because at 5 o'clock they yeah. but they usually knew I was coming sometimes they just threw them on the truck and uh, and, and didn't even, they didn't even make it to the post office they just I handed them to them and stuff and I don't think we missed the deadline missed them very long we might have missed the deadline but they waited for us or something but that was a, and of course phone calls were very important in those days right. particularly after the the uh, athletic events, and uh, that was an uh, interesting thing. I, you know, home and away. I always went on all the football. I didn't go to all the basketball games, but I always went on to all the football games and uh, and would make a phone call from wherever it was and to the usually the uh, Scotts Bluff Star-Herald and, uh, and the Omaha World-Herald, at least, and uh, to uh, let them know the outcome of the game and right. some some stats that, that they could put together. And Rapid City Journal was very in, instrumental in it, too, at that time. Had a gal named Pam. I don't know what Pam's last name was. Um, it was a, it was not Smith or Jones or anything like that. But she was so good. She could take all my notes in 15 minutes and, 
or five minutes maybe, and uh, make a story out of it. And I called her lots of times the next day and told her what a good job she'd done of taking my the notes and stuff like that. If we were away from home, why it was uh, sometimes uh, <laughs> I, I got left in Spearfish one time and uh, <laughs> oftentimes had people waiting uh, in the car when I was, after I'd made some phone calls uh, to these places that, and that's how they got the news. And right. I, I worked on the other end when I worked at the Scotts Buff Star Herald and took those phone calls too from the uh, various coaches, you know. And if you could always tell, and I wasn't this way because I, but if uh, if they didn't call, you knew they got beat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my my wife, uh, thank you for her, Peggy, um, also took phone calls sometimes when maybe we had two things going on at once. And uh, she was not always treated real respectfully of some of the coaches if they hadn't done well, and and, and she, it frustrated her a lot. But anyway, she took phone calls, and then she'd let me have that. Tell she'd write, take some notes and have that information, and then I'd make the call to whoever needed the information. You know, radio stations and newspapers. Right. A lot of collaboration. It sounds like yeah, it was. Uh, and I can remember that in the in our old office in the basement of the client center, that that back room where we had all those storage uh, items like the old programs and everything like that. There was a huge. You might remember it, Daniel. There was a huge wall of, of like a partitioned thing that had all these envelopes in it that were pre-addressed. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was in alphabetical order. Um, and so it just blew my mind that that's how information used to be disseminated. It used yeah. to be a lot harder to do your job, quite frankly. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were yeah. alphabetical order, and we'd get uh, labels and yeah. paste on them and stuff like that. Yeah, that was... And I think that predated me. I think they had already... They, they had done that before I joined on and I wasn't that creative to make that sort of a thing but, yeah, it was but an it, ingenious it, con, it, yeah were you the first person to have that focus as part of your job to to covering the sports news and the campus news or was there was oh, there no. a dedicated person there before was, you there were some people before me some of them much better than I was and more talented uh particularly oh my goodness Warren Whittakin would be a name that uh, only people older than I would probably remember but he was terrific yeah. And he got stuff in the Omaha World Herald. He would take pictures and send it down. And he got he did some things for, ahead of me. It made big news when I was in college here in, uh, I guess it was in 60, 59 when I was a freshman, that the uh, Eagle Airs, which was the select vocal group, uh, got to go to uh, Cuba and the Mediterranean, or the Caribbean anyway. I'm not sure. I guess Cuba was in it too, but... but uh, yeah, because that was before we'd had any problems with Cuba. Right. So they did go down there. and uh, But he got a really a nifty story in the Omaha World Herald. He was very creative. He was, he'd was he spent 25 years probably in the business okay. before. I knew him because I was editor of the newspaper or in connected with the, the Eagle newspaper. And so I went to see him to get news also from him. So I knew right. him. But he was, he was very good. He was, he, he'd been... Done well before that, and if, uh, there was another person. I never knew this person, but his name was John Kelly, and he later became the head of the uh, Nebraska State Department of Education, and he had done that. When I came along, and when I went to college here, and when I came here, Dick Tibbetts had done that. Poor Dick, they give him twenty-five different jobs. He was the uh, 
he was a, he sponsored the student senate. He he did he did the food service. He was the college food service. He was the wow. guy that, that that ran the food service. I mean, he had like, people working for him and stuff. But he did that, and he sponsored groups and uh, everything like that. And he caught the he he kind of caught some dickens from people because he didn't quite get everything covered, but there was no way. He had four people's jobs, and uh, they were yeah. difficult jobs. They were full-time jobs on their own, and uh, it was sad that, that he didn't, because uh, he was a nice guy, and he, he helped me immensely. He showed me how to, to look. I had never done any darkroom work at all until I came to Shattered State, and, uh, and they kind of turned it over to me, but he showed me how to you know, develop the film and yeah. uh, print the pictures and things of that sort. And uh, so he was, I, I've, for years and years, I sent him uh, Christmas cards and birthday cards and stuff, thanking him for that. I've lost track of him in recent years. I know he lived in Casper the last I knew, but I appreciated so much what Dick tried to do to help me. Yeah. Con, um, you know, you've, you've been around a long time. You grew up in Shadron. Uh, or actually south of town, but then um, went to high school here, you went to college here, and, and you've worked here for, for several years. How important is it is history to a college like CSC, and how do you see CSC's role in the, in the western Nebraska region? Well, I think history is extremely important, and uh, I have tried, I've emphasized that. I guess I've tried to keep track of things uh, historically, since then, and uh, I think it's really important. Uh, and I kind of, it's kind of interesting, I think. I kind of, um, when I was working for the Shattered Record before I came to the college, there was people left over from the old Congregational Academy that was up on the hill. They were the uh, people that had, in the 1890s and had gone to school there. My grandmother was one of them. And uh, they would always invite, they had an annual carry-in dinner in the, sometime in the summer, and I got to go to that because Grandma was there, and I knew many of the other people there, too. So, and they were interested in preserving history and talking about what had happened when they went to school there, you know. But anyway, uh, history, without history... History's everything as far as, I thought it was very important to preserve history and to, to get involved in uh, taking care of that when I came to work here. And I've slipped some in recent years on doing that, but I still tried to, uh, you know, keep lists of uh, not only most rushing yards, but also of kind of the, some of the other things that, uh, achievements that people have had. And you'll notice in the back of the 100th anniversary book of the college, which I pretty well put together, um, there's lists of those kind of things I kept track of, tabs of the people that won awards and things. And I've still tried to I, I to do some of that too. Yeah. And, and you know, if I'm being honest, when, when I first started, I always thought those types of things were monotonous, the, the cataloging and the you know, writing it because you, you're you not seeing 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road and how that's important because you're just kind of living in the present and trying to get through it. Um, and so I think CSE among its peers uh, is, is very well positioned with its history and the knowledge base that 
uh, is in large part been cultivated by you. And so I think you've done a really great job with that, not just uh, institutional history, but athletic history as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think it's important to have lists like that. And, you know, we still get caught uh, every once in a while. We'll, we'll think something was the first time that's ever, ever happened at Chatham State. And then you look back in uh, maybe in 19, way back when. I remember we, we, while we were doing this forensics things, it was so seemed so good. Why some people came from the 30s that went on to have outstanding careers, but they told about what they had done when they were riding from here to maybe, I think they went into Tennessee or something to some national conference. They got up at four o'clock in the morning and the person that was their sponsor of their uh, forensics group, uh, his wife had cooked them a breakfast before they got there and they dr could only drive like 40 miles an hour. And there was five or six, seven, six people, probably three in each seat <laughs> going on those trips and stuff. But they had these stories about them. And some of those got in the 75th anniversary book that they told about the things that they had done and the, some of the accomplishments they had had. So you, you don't, you just about don't ever want to say, boy, that's good English, isn't it? But anyway, <laughs> You never want to say that uh, this is the first time. Uh, yeah. it, I learned that the other day just at a high school uh, cross-country meet because I didn't know about Eric Calkins, who's over at Chattern High School, the teacher now, winning the, the championship when he was in high school. He won the district championship, and a girl from Chattern High School then won, wins the one locally, and I said that she was the first because somebody told me she probably was the first, but she wasn't the first. He was. And Eric's, Eric uh, got a little correction thing in the Shattern record this last week about that. Yeah, so. you got to get that in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you talked a little bit of, uh, about the history of the school and why that's important. You've been here a long time, though. What, what's the role of the college in the region? Ha, ha, has it changed or has it been consistent? Well, I don't think it's probably changed too much. Colleges are supposed to be leaders, I think, in their field, you know, and and I think we need, you know, I, I think it needs to be a leader in economic development and it needs to be a leader culturally and new, new ideas, fresh new ideas should be uh, distributed on uh, the campus and uh, should be available on the campus and uh, new methods of doing things, interesting progressive ideas should come from a college. And, and you know, that ebbs and flows kind of on our, our campus, I think, it's oftentimes because of what the, some faculty leader or something that uh, develops something that gets going. I think back, and it, it, it's every, uh, Every field has had these over the time, and they still have them, leaders. I mean, Kim Madsen's child development uh, conference that she's had for 30 years or so more, you know, they get new speakers every year and bring them back and, and uh, get new ideas pumped into the daycare centers <laughs> and things of that sort. And, and that's kind of what I think a, a college should do because they have access our faculty members just don't stay on campus. They go to a lot of conferences, and they hear people speak, and they say, hey, let's get this person to come back to Shattern State and tell us what he or she knows about something. And and so, and so, I think that's an important thing because a lot of us 
including myself, have spent most of their lives in Dawes County, uh, people or Western Nebraska, anyway, around here, and we don't hear and see those things quite as much. And of course, with the new the way things are now with Facebook and all the technology that's out there floating around, why mm-hmm. uh, people are way ahead of where we were in my era as a youth or something or a college student, but. But this has gone on in, in lots of them. I mean, the math program that Gene Hughes created back in the late 50s and early 60s and stuff, that helped a lot of people develop into be commuter, or computer whizzes because he tried to help them as much as he could f- with that. And these people were ma- really, really sharp mathematicians. They went on, got good, great jobs, and it just kind of snowballed and. And we had a conference or a uh, reunion of those people a few years back, and there were some people that were mighty proud of what they had accomplished, you know, at that time. And so that's my what I see as a shattered state's role is to be kind of out in front of everything, and uh, and not everything we do is whiz bang and the top of the knot, top of the heap, you know. But a lot of things here are, and uh, we have a lot of good people that are willing to share those ideas and stuff. It happened in criminal justice under George Watson and before that too. And and some people, you know, every department just about has had, uh, I think sometime or another has had something happening like that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, that is. So, Con, let's talk about photography. Now, you've, you've spanned the film years and now the digital years and here we are two decades or so into the digital revolution, but let's talk a little bit about what were things like when you had to develop film in the darkroom? Well, I didn't know any better. There was no other, no faster way to do it. You know? That's true. <laughs> so I saw the question. I thought about that. I'd come back from a football game and probably would maybe have three rolls of film and I would soup them, yeah. which means you develop the, the, the film and let it soak in the water for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, you know, and then you hang it up and stuff. But before I made my phone calls, I would usually start that process and have right. the water, have the in the... Uh, Get them washed up and yeah, drying and washing up the film and probably didn't print any pictures that night, maybe. But then okay. early in the morning, I'd, 6 o'clock or so, I'd probably be up uh, doing that and... Uh, you know, you look up, hold it up to the light to see which picture looked good, and put a little snip in it, and and then next day print it, and yeah. and uh, that's the only way there was to do it. You couldn't do it any faster, you know. Yeah. Now, the football people they would sometimes get the take pictures of the of the football game. Somebody was had come up from Scotts Bluff to go to the football game. And they'd take it down to KSTF TV, and KSTF TV would develop that film. So then the next day, the coaches, and somehow it got back to Shadron, and so the coaches the next day could study the film a little bit, you know. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it was just lots of, but it was all a hands-on, you've got to spend time doing this. And and I had some really outstanding uh, young people that helped me in the darkroom and uh, could print pictures every bit as good as I could and stuff, but... but I'm just glad I don't have to do it that way anymore. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. It's because you're looking at 
20 minutes to a half hour to get your film developed, and then you've got to print it. And uh, you got to dry it. Yeah, you got to dry it. And then you've got to get it, whether it was scanned and emailed or faxed before that. Um, we have it easier now, it seems, because we can just download or we can send straight from the phone and, and get it onto social media and off to the newspapers. But yeah, yeah definitely. You know, I don't remember that we had football pictures from a Shattered State football game ever gotten the Scottsbluff Star Herald in the days, early days. Uh, we would have had, unless maybe we sent some film back with them. I can't remember. Some, right. But generally, nobody. To me, Shattered State needs to have a really strong information distribution program because there's no big newspapers come to our campus and write stories or do much investigative import reporting or do very much great f photography and take pictures at, on our campus. It's just too far, I guess, for them yeah. to do that. They did yeah. it when Danny Woodhead was here in some yeah. degree when... when uh, um, Don Beebe was here, and when we had great athletic teams, they, yeah. they did that. But generally, <laughs> we haven't had very many of those. But I remember the Rapid City Journal sent down uh, Dick Rubeck. No, it isn't Rubeck. Uh, shucks. Forgot his name, but he, he came down and, and took pictures of the games, and then they oh, would Ket have him. Kettlewell, Kettlewell, wasn't it? Kettlewell, yeah. yeah Dick <clears throat> Kettlewell would do that. And he'd come along and wear his kind of funny hat and be along the sidelines and lay down on the sideline and do that and stuff. Yeah. So that attracted attention, you know. But we don't have uh, – we've about never had a photographer from any other place come yeah. to our place to Pretty do rare. it, except in the We've big got to game. toot our own horn. Yeah. <clears throat> we've got to toot our own horn. Yeah. We, do, and we have to have, yeah, good coverage. And, you know, we've had some things that have happened on our campus uh, that if it had been a – We'd had a big-time daily newspaper or a big-time daily newspaper would come and cover it. They probably would have got resolved a little bit sooner than it did, and it probably would have uh, got more publicity. But <laughs> Well, one of those big stories that you, I think, were involved with was male students' hair was long. And wasn't that a national news story? That It the... was. In, uh, yeah, uh, John Chancellor was the NBC. I don't know if it was NBC or CB. I don't remember what we, I remember, but he was here. Yeah, they... Uh, and were you they, in, in, like, the information office, or were you a student? I was, and they didn't pay attention to me. <laughs> um, and I didn't... But they had they had their own agenda. They brought three or four people with uh, John Chancellor, and he's smoking his pipe. I can still see him standing over out in the, in the, by the library, you know, uh, smoking his pipe and, and stuff, waiting for stuff to happen. And then, But he, he was on national news that night. Yeah, yeah and for those who don't know, the, the story is that the males had a, a dress code, basically, that back then at school. They couldn't have long hair. Is that about it? Yeah, and or beards or mustaches mm -hmm. or maybe mustache down just to the, the bottom of the, her top of the mouth, you know. But you couldn't have a down here. Couldn't have a full beard. Beard's not going to cut it, Daniel. And, uh, That's rough. Couldn't have real. Couldn't have long hair. Real long hair and things like that. Hmm. We think that's silly now, but then I see these uh, young ladies wearing uh, these overall or uh, Levi's and uh, jeans now that are all cut up and you know. To me, that's just as ever a bit as silly as what that that rule was at that time. And you know, when I went to, when we went to college here, the the 
girls had to be in the dorm by nine o'clock at night or something like that and stuff like that. So it's, and this dates way, way back because I had uh, people tell me about when they were students, you couldn't have the radio on over after nine o'clock at <laughs> oh night, you know, in their rooms. <laughs> and they'd hide in the closet and try to listen to some sleuth program or something <laughs> at night. And they'd get in That's trouble funny. about it. And, oh, my goodness. Wow. So colleges are, but nobody says anything about the, uh, the blue jeans, the worn out blue jeans anymore. So I guess it, it must be better than the other <laughs> stuff was. I don't know. But. Con, you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, talking about how CSC is largely responsible for its own media coverage. And some of that has to do with the fact where we're located. Uh, so you went Mostly. To, yeah, you went to a lot of athletic games, uh, a lot of time on the road. How many miles do you think you traveled with your job? Alex, that's a $64 question. I have no idea. Don Watt would probably have a better idea. Yeah, maybe, he would have been involved. Because he was the person that did the driving. Uh, and, and a lot of the games I went to, I rode with him in the, in the vehicle. I don't know, but it would have been thousands, thousands. But it's no more than they travel now, except it's, uh, you know, they go by bus. They go further further away than we did because we never played far, teams as far away very often as, well, I guess we did play at Fort Lewis. Mm. They came over to our place saw one time. I know they lost a couple of players with knee injuries that, in that game. But it's it's... We're, we're isolated. We're out here. You know, the closest game's ever always been South Dakota Mines, 100 miles, and then 140 miles to S South Dakota or to uh, Black Hill State, and then Kearney was next. And then, you know, we it's a day's drive to Peru State and yeah. stuff. And so it's not – it's just the way we are out here. Yep. Any uh, interesting memories of being on those road trips? You talk about being left behind in uh, Spearfish. Well, any other stories? <laughs> well, not not very many. And praise the Lord, we've never had a bad accident that I was involved yeah. with. I mean, that that is probably the biggest, most amazing thing that's happened here. Is we I've never been involved in a. In a, in a mad a wreck. We hit a deer. I was driving oh, one time yeah. when we hit an antelope up by Lusk and some stuff like that, and we've, we've done that. But we've never had a personal injury accident that I was involved in. With, yeah. But then rode lots of miles and lots of miles way after dark and sometimes a bit over the speed limit, too. Oh. But uh, <laughs> um, we had an inter interesting situation. It was the days when they had CB radios. Is that what you call them? The, mm -hmm. the truckers had those. Sure, yeah. And there was a guy, we were coming back. I think it was from Gunnison, but I'm not sure. One of the mountain towns in in Colorado, anyway. It might have been Mesa. It might have been Grand Junction. I think it was Grand Junction now. And this guy was weaving all over the road, uh, dangerous to any, everybody. And uh, we've... There there's no cell phones yet, yeah. and everything, and but we made signs: beware, dr uh, drunk driver ahead, and stuck stuck him out the window when uh, for the people that were trying to pass us because we were staying behind him instead of trying. And finally, we got him up to the where the the road is forking the road, and uh, one of the student, one of the athletic uh, graduate assistants jumped out and. And grabbed his door and, and jumped in and 
took the car out of gear and and that's how we got him stopped. Yeah. And then a trucker comes along with a CD and he can call the cops and pretty soon we get cops coming there. So that was kind of a, you yeah, know yeah, that's nobody got hurt or anything in that. But this person was definitely in bad shape and needed some help for his own self and for everybody else on the road. So that was the, probably the most memorable. I remember we went to another one of the Colorado colleges and some they broke into our van that night. Some oh, yeah. students did, and uh, some of them were football players and they got kicked off. They didn't get to play in that game and stuff. It, the, the other school did a very good job of straightening things out and That's getting good. it going and stuff. So, but uh, we never had a wreck and we never and and uh, always made it back home. I will be honest with you. One of the reasons I kind of quit was because I was I kind of got leery about all the driving that is involved. And yeah, it's never. But it, oh, I'm so <clears throat> glad that nobody's that we haven't had these accidents and things of that sort. And so that's. Yeah, the, it, it's kind of interesting on you kind of look at road trips, I think, as these fun, <clears throat> willy-nilly, anything is going. But when you're, tra- at least from my experience, when you're traveling with teams, it's very prescribed what you're yeah. doing, you know, from lunch is 12.30 to 1.30, back on the bus by 1.45, or they're going to leave you in Spearfish or, or something like that. And so um, never really had a lot of fun, but the things that were nice was always interacting with the student athletes and getting to know the coaches a little bit better. And those were always the good things. Yeah. I had one, I didn't do a lot of traveling, uh, but I had one time where I, they needed a second driver to get the cheer team down to a football game. So I I got roped into that and I went down to take photos and, um, you know, you're driving back late at night, you're feeling kind of tired. You're thinking, no, I have to, I have to concentrate on this. I'm responsible for this group of of students here. So you you don't want to mess around. Yeah. Yeah. It's business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I made use of those trips, uh, it was a boon to me because I always had another story somewhere in the bag that I could write it something about. And I would, we'd get there like on a Friday evening, and the game wouldn't be till Friday, Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And I'd I could I'd spend the time in. The, I didn't need to go out and watch them st- stretch and and play catch and with the football and stuff. And I'd spend a lot of time writing stories in the evenings and stuff afterwards. I always slept well on the trips. Yeah. Even when I was driving. I didn't drive. They wouldn't <laughs> let me drive. And that's a good thing. But You always slept well in the cars. Too. <laughs> I slept well in the cars and I came back pretty well rested. And sometimes it was better. I'd gotten a lot more sleep than I would have if I'd have been at home uh, doing things. So, yeah, True enough. Con, what would you say uh, are some of the long-standing traditions Shadron State College has? That's a sixty-four dollar question too. Uh, well, I got two of them now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think the uh, Scholastic contest has been a, a tradition that's uh, been a good thing for Shadron State College and stuff. Um, you know, homecoming and uh, family day and uh, things like that. I, I just can't think of a lot of other traditions that. Uh, well, Family Day was kind of something you start helped start, wasn't it? I, well, I guess I did because they were doing it at other schools, and I saw them do that. They'd honor their senior players, at the, and and I did do that. Yeah, it kind of it was uh, something, and I. Uh, but now it goes on beyond that. Now they have the Family Tree Award, which I think is really nice. Yeah, and uh, Karen Pope does a great job of of doing that and making everybody feel. 
special and that. And we've we've you know we've really had some neat stories about some, from some of those people that because they have their memories of what they did when they went to school. Sure. Some of them we don't think they were so special. Probably they probably didn't think so special, but it, nobody does them anymore like this, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, but I think that's I don't know other otherwise. Uh, you know, the Sando Center has become, become kind of a tradition and things like that. And and like I said, uh, Kim Madsen's uh, child development uh, conference that she has every year. And there's others like that, too, that, mm-hmm. that uh, are traditions that people look forward to having those things. We had uh, reading conferences here that Charlene Coates and my wife Peggy helped put on for a long that really drew some great attention we also when george watson was running the uh, criminal justice program we had a conference every year where they brought in fbi speakers and people who had uncovered some of the uh, some of the you know tragedy or bad things in 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 law enforcement and things like that so it was uh, and i guess that's Kind of things that Shattered State, a college should do is be a leader in some of those things to bring. But we we'd have maybe a couple hundred law enforcement people on our campus some days oh. that would come to those conferences because he'd, he'd get a special speaker that had solved some big uh, crime event and stuff, and it was interesting. Yeah. So, Con, uh, you've been you've written a few books now over the years. What's the next book going to be? Well, I'd like to do one more. Yeah, um, and it's stories about it's it's a, a sports book. This and um, it would be the stories I had I wrote when I of people that had played football way before I was born, but they had good careers here and, and went on and had great careers as their in their professional lives and stuff. And I've got all those stories in. It isn't something I have to look for. Yeah. And I think that uh, um, we'll, we'll be getting it started. Uh, Dwayne Jimison will help me with that, yeah. like he did the one I just kind of put out here lately. Yeah, I figured. Uh, tell us a little bit about this this most recent collection of stories you put together. Well, it was just stories of stories I had written after hearing speakers on our campus. Right. And some of them were college professors. So many of them were college professors. Others were people that lived here that had been in World War II. And, and um, you know, I have three, there's three Holocaust uh, victims in that. They weren't victims because they survived, but three Holocaust survivors in that. And I wrote stories about them and I put those stories together. And this is what these would be too, is stories of yeah. people that sometimes I, met up with them on uh, on the, the football trips I went. One of them was in Bozeman, Montana. There was a guy named Loki Christensen who had been a great, supposedly had kicked a 75-yard field goal with the wind at his back, uh, drop-kicked it over here on Elliott Field. They don't know for sure it was 80, 65 yards or 75 yards, but the wind, he said he, he was drop-kicking it and he, and it was, it could go be a punt or it could be a, a, a field goal. And so he, anyway, it turned out to be a field goal. Shattern got three points off of it. But 
anyway, uh, I got I got to meet him and his wife, and John Axel was on that trip too, doing the broadcast, and we we rented a car and uh, went and saw him and his wife at the uh, at their home, and it's pictures, things like that. And Peg and I sometimes took trips and and visited some of these former athletes and stuff like that, and. and uh, I've got probably twenty of those that I think I think they'll be kind of interesting and uh, oh yeah of people that I've wrote stories about and how they got it's not about X's and O's and we ran this uh, sneaky play that nobody else had ever seen or anything like that it's mostly how they survived while they were college students and uh, yeah and with very little money and one guy he said he tackled the coach um, <laughs> he the coach uh, came out to scrimmage him a little bit and he tackled him and. Uh, after that, he was a starter all. <laughs> so, so I hope to put that one together. And yeah. we may start on that before too long. And so if it, it all we, we've got to scan these stories. They're certainly not on my computer anymore. We'll have to scan them, and just like Dwayne did the other ones, and we'll go from there. We've been doing a lot of cleaning up here in the basement of Kreitz. We had a, a flood this fall, and uh, so I guess that was a good opportunity to do some organizing on on your end. I know you you have more photos on file than I thought possible. <laughs> I, yeah, I and some of them aren't very good. <laughs> no, no, they're all good. We're, we're making headway on that organization, though, it feel, feels like. Thanks to Rose. Oh, she's doing a good Rose job. And Amy. Hauser, she's yeah. uh, done a lot of work. I, I'm i not good at that kind of thing. I I think I my organization isn't quite as scooed as it seems like sometimes because I know I've got envelopes that's got pictures crammed into them. You right. Know, and but boy, I want to give one word of advice: always write on the back of the pictures yeah. who it is <laughs> and what year the picture was taken and stuff because we've got so many that are it's it's a sad situation. But anyway. Yeah, we'll it, it'll, be, it'll be a long process, but little by little. Keeps yeah, us busy. Yeah. you know, we do have all those scorebooks. There's, there's one more step we could all take on. I could take on that because we've got the scorebooks of every, yeah. uh, particularly basketball scorebooks. We've got them and got numbers on them and stuff like that. Yeah. The sport you really get in trouble with is like rodeo where there's no numbers and yeah. uh, even. Uh, wrestling, you know, too. Uh, Wrestling's tough sometimes. Oh, wrestling too. is yeah. horrible. Yeah. And uh, things like that. So, and track isn't yeah. very good either, and stuff. But if you want to take enough time, uh, you could you could find some more of those names and some of those pictures. But. Con, you've had a, a, a obviously a long and storied career at CSC, and with that, you've had a lot of offices. Um, you're currently in Kreitz Hall. Um, when I came to work with you, you were in the Klein Center. I think before that, you were in the administration building. Have you worked at other places or in of all those offices, which one was your favorite? Well, I liked uh, the Klein Center, I guess, probably as much as anything, because we, we were all there kind of together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the I think the foundation was over there, too, wasn't yeah. they? Yeah. Weren't they? Yeah, and, they uh, were. And uh, Jerry Ingram was yeah. kind of involved in that, too. And, and was he one of your... Kind of mentors. He was before me, but I I've inherited a, a lot of his photo collection. Okay. And, and, so his name is always kind anyway, of in the background it was there. A, it was a good thing. Yeah, um, a good. I I like that. The print shop was there too. Yeah, and, yeah it the was in center. those days, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. So I started out. Sharon, and bless her heart, she's still living. Uh, Daisy Raymer sharing an office with her that 
uh, when I first came here, and I had a couple of offices where I shared. I just had a desk and a typewriter, and that was it. <laughs> didn't need much more than that. No, well, yeah, I didn't have very many files yet then, you know. Maybe a we had a couple of filing cabinets, and but anyway, um, that was in the administration building, and then uh, they finally got a full room in the administration building, uh, one of the old classrooms. The classroom I when I was a freshman, we had is it was a freshman English cla classroom down at the uh, northeast corner of the building on the first floor. That was had that whole office, and that's and it got a dark room in there, and that's where, and that was really handy because uh, you could you know be developing film while you were also answering the phone and things like that. So I, yeah, I didn't mind that at all and stuff. And always had a telephone, I guess, so I could call people and stuff. So. Yeah, it's, it's meant a lot. So, Con, uh, I think anybody who knows you knows that you can pluck names and dates and stats out of your head for going back to just about any era that you need to. How do you remember all of that stuff? Is there a trick or were you born with the ability? <laughs> well, I never lived in any place other than western Nebraska and never any place much other than Dawes County. So that makes that easy, I guess, and stuff. I don't know. And it's kind of strange. We had a football reunion here a while back, and people from the 90s, I guess, well, some of them were the 70s, weren't they? 70s were here. And I remembered quite a lot of those people. But listen, if I had to go out and identify the football players that we have now, if they didn't have their numbers on, I yeah. would. You know, you know, I know some of them because of their shapes and sizes and positions and stuff. Right. And maybe their dad played here, and like as in case of uh, Jared Machichok. And so I, he looks like he's, anyway. But I don't remember names and, and incidents and faces and stuff as well now as I probably did then. That was something new to me, and that was kind okay. of like being in kindergarten, you know. You, you can remember those things because you know what... That was what was taking place in that time. Sure, I understand. <laughs> but um, I I have a hard time remembering names of 20 years ago and stuff like that. But I do have – Ross Armstrong gave me the college's uh, letterman's book, and I can go back and find people that – whether they lettered at Shattern State College, if they'll and find them in the, we've tried to keep that up, book up for, and uh, yeah. so I can do that. And there's some funny stories about some of that. Somebody will call up sometime and want to know what year so and so played at Shattern State, and I can't find it. So and so ever played at Shattern State. Oh yeah, his name's not in the Letterman's <laughs> book. You know, and that, that isn't just football; it's all sports. Right. Well, Con, we've reached the uh, the portion of the interview where we kind of do quick hitting questions. So we have five questions, and so just the first thing that that comes to the top of your head, and the first one is your favorite baseball team. Well, it's got to be the Washington Nationals after last night. <laughs> but, I know that's not true. Well, the worst team in baseball was my favorite team for a long time. That's the Detroit Tigers, and. But anyway, that's not a, very important to very many people. But, but you you told me once that you were able to, to get the old radio broadcasts of the Tigers games when you were a kid. Mostly St. Louis Cardinals games. Oh, okay. Um, 
Harry Carey and Jack Buck and those games. You could come KMOX, you could hear those games. And sometimes too staticky, too much, you know, too much uh, lightning and thunder in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. We had a radio that would. Those AM waves, they can, they can travel up, they miles. They sure can. Pick up. Yeah, you know, my goodness, everybody in my age group uh, listened to KOMA and Oklahoma City, Coma and Oklahoma City, you know, and on the radio and the, when going to high school, playing the rock and roll songs and stuff like that, you know. Johnny Be Good and all. Oh, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. So writing a story, typewriter or computer, what's your preference? Well, I had a lot less problems with typewriters than I ever have with computers, but computers are such a wonderful development. You know, you can, I can store stories on the computer from 30 years ago. Well, not 30 maybe, but 20 years ago and can find them and stuff like that. And if I do it right and, uh, and you know, you can rewrite the, yeah. you can take the story and rewrite it and, and kind of plagiarize it from the last time you wrote it and make it a little better and do that with letters a lot anyway. So, but typewriters were terrific too. And they had to come to my office and take away my typewriter and replace it with a computer before I really embraced the computer very long. <laughs> and man, did I have trouble with computers for a long time. So was, I still have trouble with computers marriage. and people like, like Dwayne and Alex, and particularly now, uh, what man Eric uh, Wellnuts? Yeah, he he can fix my computer from his desk better than I could ever fix it from my own desk. And yeah, I guess and, the troubleshooting and, has gotten easier. <laughs> and so it's uh, computers are a wonderful development and uh, let people produce a lot more than they ever did before and things of that sort. Sure, I wrote a lot of stories by hand. At one oh, time yeah. too, and, you know, and then re- retype them and stuff. Write them maybe on the road and stuff. Yeah, like I was going to say, was that on the car trips and yeah. get their first draft out that yeah, way? Yeah, and then, you know, but anyway. Con, if, if Shattern State College wasn't the name of the college, what would it be? Well, I think it was all, it's already been, ta- I think Western Nebraska College would have been a good, or Nebraska Western College, which Scott's Bluff, took over, they used to be Scottsbluff Junior College, you know, and I think that would have been a a, a, a real good, okay name, I think. Uh, they, they, they were like Hiram Scott College, too, for a while. No, Hiram there? Scott was a separate college, completely oh. a separate college. It was uh, a private college that uh, was started by some people who didn't want their sons to go to Vietnam and stuff like that. Oh, so, I see. So they, if you were in college, you could you didn't have to go to didn't have to go to um, serve in the army, right. you know, or right. ser- serve in the military. And so that, that but they were mostly east, kids from the east that came to mm-hmm. Scottsbluff. But, but it was Scottsbluff Junior College and then became, I think they, they became Nebraska Western College and then Western Nebraska Community College. And But anyway, that would have probably been about as best. But you notice that Wayne State and Peru State and University of Nebraska at Kearney and stuff are yeah. still all names that, they go with the town. Yep. So, yeah. So, and yep. Dickinson State and Minot State and quite a few of them. Have, some schools try to camouflage them and make them universities and stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of – you go through the Missouris and they go through the uh, Kansas and stuff, and there's a lot of towns that are na- 
schools that are named after the college, town and Absolutely. Where, that, where they were founded. Con, how many times have you been up to the top of Sea Hill? Well, not for quite a while. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Not a lot. I mean, I used to take my kids up there and go skiing, or not skiing, uh, sleigh riding and stuff. I try to go up there about every spring for a long time, and uh, I love uh, yucca, yucca plants. Yeah. And I'd take pictures of them and with the trees in the background and get the you know a V and where the picture of the uh, uh, f- where I could take the campus picture. Yeah. And, we always got the Armstrong building and, yeah, we and did. Uh, the library and as much of the campus as you could. You couldn't get it all hardly because it's such a sp- yeah. It does go just st- wide west enough. West to mm-hmm. east yeah. college, and uh, so you couldn't get it all. But uh, yeah, I'm, that was probably good for me to hike up there and stuff like that. <laughs> I've been up there and house. took pictures of them painting the sea and right. stuff like that and stuff. It's a you know it's one of the landmark things that we have on our campus. I think and. I think uh, when the college was 100 years old, I put together 10 things that I thought were unique about Shattern State. And that oh, yeah, that's on there. Yeah. Uh, Con, last question. What is the, a word that comes to your head, to the top of your head, when you think of Shattern State? Well, I almost get tears in my eyes when I think about this, because, and I thought about this when, but it's been good to me, the college. I don't know what else I'd have done. If I hadn't uh, gone to work here, and I've, I've, uh, I hope I've given the college my money's worth, and I hope, uh, you know, I know I've made some mistakes and things and stuff, but it's been good to me, and it's uh, because I've enjoyed what I've done. I have some pride in what I've done, and uh, I also have some regrets and some things that I know should have been done better, and could have been done better by a more capable person. And uh, my capabilities are not intelligence and things like that. It's mostly just that I was willing to put it. As one guy said one time, uh, if I had only worked 40 hours a week, I'd have thought I was on vacation. And that's (laughs) where it was here. I mean, 40 hours didn't mean anything to me, and it still doesn't really too much. Yeah. And... uh, but I sure like a n- napping during the noon hour. So, <laughs> but anyway, well, uh, but uh, anyway, it's it's been good. Shattern State College has been good to me, and I hope that I've been somewhat good to it. Too. Oh, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, that when a lot of people think of the college, they think of you. They think of the words that you've written. They think of the images that you've taken. And so, uh, the, the college is definitely a lot better off since you came around. So thanks for joining us, Con. Thank you. It's really been a lot of fun kind of walking down memory lane with you, and we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Well, thank you very much.